0: this will never ever end well just kidding there's 12 series in this uh once again excluding ridiculous and uh blank slate and any new game shows that might have been announced from (laughs) early june to now welcome to game shows i suppose it's the niche podcast but the one thing i know something about game shows i suppose i'm your host jern haas boy you ever wonder like what goes into people's brains when they come up with this Normally, normally, I think, boy, it's a Saturday, Tunamis on, I want to talk anime. Nope, <laughs> it's game shows. Boy, you know, when you think of all the game shows currently on the air, The Jeopardies, Family Feuds, Wheel of Fortunes, Price is Right, Let's Make a Deal. They're all great game shows, and then there's GSN shows, and you just go... Well, this is a good time to talk about GSN shows, short-lived Forgotten Gems, current ones that probably deserve the time of day. And that's what we're gonna be talking about today. Three of the four shows are ones that are in the modern. And we're gonna start it off with a word-based game, not chain letters, but it sounds like it. This is Tug of Words. Tug of Words is a word-based game show where someone can win $10,000 like every GSN show. They have two versions of the show, Season 1 and Season 2. I'm sure if there's a Season 3, it would change, but for the time being, it's a current game show. Season 1 was hosted by Maude Rashad, probably because of the success of Caesars Challenge back in the 90s. And Samantha Harris uh, would be the new host in Season 2 a much more familiar game show host as it turns out it is played with three rounds with two rounds playing to earn advantage in round three the team that earns that wins round three wins a thousand chance to win ten thousand it's played with two teams of two There are four three-letter words shown to the teams. Each word has a starting point for a word chain. One team chooses the starting word, and the host reads a clue to another word, which may be a proper noun or abbreviation. The player must change one letter in the starting word to make a correct word. Cat to cut. I'm reading the wiki page. Each correct answer moves an on-screen pendant marker towards that team's side of the set while well, there's no penalty for an incorrect answer. During a team's run, the other player must alternate turns without conferring, but also wait for the host to read the entire clue before answering. If either rules violate the answer's tree, is incorrect and the next clue is read. Once the first team has completed their run, another team chooses one of three remaining starting words and another set of clues. 40 seconds, get as many as possible. Wherever the fucking thing lies at the end wins. They get a flag round two it's the same one but now it's four letter words so ball becomes fall fall becomes ball ball becomes bald bald becomes bold bold becomes mold mold becomes mole all right the third the second round okay so after that when they're pendant. Based on the reflection, previous rounds. So, if one, since we played that with two rounds, uh, we now play with two letters to change, and it's highlighted. The time limit's increase to forty-five seconds. After both teams have played, the team with the marker on their side wins a thousand plays for ten thousand. If after both teams have played, a marker is in neutral, tiebreaker is played with the player nearest to the host with one final five-letter word and two letters to be changed. If they win, they get 1000 The two members are shown a two-word phrase, which include proper words and names. After each clue, they must change one of the two words, like plastic surgery to plastic bag, like chain reaction. The flag starts at the neutral position, and as before, a correct answer moves the flag one space forward to a 10-space track, unlike previous rounds. Incorrect answers move the flag back a space. If they can move it to the track within 60 seconds, they win 10000 in round one, it's two chains of three letters, played for one flag, followed by four chains of four-letter words for two flags, and it's 30 seconds. And then we go for five-letter words in round two for four, two flags for 40 seconds, and then two chains of six-letter words for the final round. That's it. What a boring show. Now, I, I got to be honest. Chain, tug of Words... It's a very cute word-based game show. It's very fast-paced letters. Obviously, the lingo couldn't really be here, and it's more like a quick. It like it's it, the best way to describe tug of words is if you ever do crossword puzzles and you know that there's always those like three or four letter ones, or you know what the mini crosswords, the New York Times. That's the best way to describe it. If you know those like three, four, or five letter words, you'd be really good at tug of words because that's basically it. The final round being a mix of words rather than letters was always very weird to me in terms of a finale because, again, it makes no sense. Also executive produced by Michael Davies, famous producer of Jeopardy because of Embassy Row. Uh, It's an okay show. Now, season one was really I did not like season one because they were really trying to go for the tug of war aspect with the flags and everything and visual flags. Season two with Samantha Harris has a much better set, a much better host, better graphic package and everything about it just screams modern game show instead of just bootleg game show we kind of made in some sort of car park. It's a it's a real primo game show, even though. Again, like every GSN show, it's played to where like to get 1000 to play for $10,000. I get it. The GSN standard still exists with all of these shows. And I'm going to keep hammering this home. I'm pretty much sure someone who's, if they're listening to the entirety of these GSN originals, will be counting how many times I've said how much I despise this. With something like Tug of Words, I get it. But I, I think what they could have done better is... If I'm not mistaken, there was a show called Tug of War. There was a board game called Tug of Words in the '90s. There was more like a. There was a light, and you, it was like a seesaw, and then you say something if it's a category, then you slam onto it, and then it goes to the next player, and then they slam into it, and it goes back and forth until someone's at like hot potato or something. Tug of Words. I think this is one of those cases of the title came before the game show. And the quiz format is more chain letters. They just did chain letters. Not chain reaction, chain letters in this. And I'm not saying it's a bad show. I'm just saying it's a very dry show. But hey, if you like word games, and there's not a lot of word games on GSN, go figure. uh, It's okay. I just... I just don't know if I want to watch a season three, and I don't know if they will do a season three, but if it's around, go for it. But I don't really see people excited about this enough. However, I do love in the modern, the season two mechanic, again, no disrespect to the show, I think it's okay. When they go into season two and they have a better visual flag, and they kind of show the flag moving like a virtual computerized flag, that does way more in a visual aspect to symbolize the show better than what they do with Ahmad Rashad. They were trying to go for more like a field day word show, and now it's more of a, hey, did you know cute? And then you can go with uh, cuts, and then you can go with butts. Very fun. Very cute. But, eh. Yeah, the, I, the only thing i kind of like it, about this is it's the flag sort of advantage going into the final round versus going into a well you have 100 points and then we'll do double the points around two and then a bullshit catch-up round round three yes it's a bullshit catch-up round but the bullshit catch-up round is well you need to get Eight correct answers over the other team or three correct answers over the other team, which is doable, but not by much. So it becomes this very critical, close minded thing that when it comes to the game theory of the show actually makes round three worth watching. I hate the bullshit catch-up round on GSN shows, but tug of words, it's the round. That is the game. And to me, that is what makes this game show exciting. The first two rounds, whatever. The bonus round, eh, but that middle round, who deserves to win the show is tug of words. And to me, and just me, remember this is just my opinion, that's the only part of the show that I really enjoy and is worth watching on a game show standpoint because you'll see teams that are like down by five end up winning. You'll have teams that are way ahead just end up destroying the other team and get a thousand, and you're just like, yep, we figured that was going to happen. But it becomes this very fun, like, I would again say, like a mini crossword puzzle show. And the fact that the graphics make it easy to play along with makes it a very approachable game show as well. So, while there is so many things to rag about Tug of Words, which I have done in the few minutes, the show is still very harmless, still very fun, casual viewing, and it's not insulting to me. I have watched so many terrible GSN originals recently that I would take a tug of words over like half the offerings currently. I still can't believe they made the teams pull a f- fucking rope at the intro of Season 1. Oh, God, it's... It, it's, a, it's better now. It's a better show now, <laughs> I assure you. The next game show is one that I am excited to talk about. It's one that has a Season 2 lined up. And it's one that you could be in first place in the entirety of the show and then with one wrong answer, lose, and that is called Switch. Recently on a podcast with Jordan Haas, my sister podcast where it's mostly not game show related, I took a break from doing game show podcasts, but I did review Switch, this uh, new game show on GSN, and it's back for a season two soon, And I think it's one of the better game shows uh, because it is formatted based on a show, I believe, in Europe, also called Switch, with the premise being it's the only game show without points. It's all about placement, and it's almost like a musical chairs kind of show. There are five contestants, and they determine their spots by buzzing in with trivia questions at the start of the game. If they're right, they start at number one. If they're wrong, they start at the end, number five. And these positions are important because whoever is in last place at the end of the first two rounds are eliminated in round three with three final players. Whoever is in first wins the game. Now, I like it because it's so simplistic to understand. It is, to me, a show that is a dream for me to explain because it, it makes sense. There are five contestants on five podiums. They all answer the same question on the podium. If they are right and it turns green, that's good. If it's red, that's bad. Anything that's turning green goes ahead in the line. Anyone that turns red goes back of the line. So the red people go all the way to the end. Green goes all the way to the beginning. You want to get to number one at the end of the show. If you are in position five at the end of round one, you are out. The way to be in position five is basically anything from there are four people who got the correct answer and you got it wrong because all four advance one and you go back to the end because you're the only one who didn't get right all the way to uh unlucky draws with the questions so if round one five contestants five podiums five questions after question five whoever's in position five is out of the game we repeat in round two no points are double there's no fucking points There's four contestants still in their spots with four more questions. Same rules apply. Green is good. You can advance. Red is bad. You go back. And we switch again. After four questions, whoever's in position four is out of the game, just like a musical chairs. We then go down to the final three. In final three is a little different. In final three, instead of the clock chess format that was in the original vision, It is basically a race to first place with three final questions. With the three players in their respective positions and three final multiple choice questions left, whoever is in position one at the end of the show wins. So after question three, it is possible someone who could have been in first position the entirety of the show could get the last question wrong. It could also mean whoever was in position two gets that question wrong. And whoever was in position three, who was pretty much dead on not going to win, gained the question right, means they win the game. And that is one of the more dramatic parts of Switches. Well, I don't like the whole bullshit catch-up round mechanic I do love the fact that this is prone to come from behind victories and major shifts in gameplay where someone who's in first position is the only one to get a wrong answer and suddenly falls all the way down to elimination. That adds some real stakes to the game in a way that makes it very fun. At the end of the game, whoever wins gets, you guessed it, GSN's standard classic $1,000 and the chance to turn that $1,000 into $10,000. To get to $10,000, they have 60 seconds on the clock, and they need to answer five questions correctly in a row. There's no multiple choice. They just have to say the answer. If they're right, they advance one space. If they're wrong, they go back one space. If they pass, they go back one space. But if they're in position one, and they answer a question correctly, the clock stops, and they win $10,000. That's it. That's that switch. It's simplistic. Yes, I don't like the thousand ten dollars mechanic. I just, to me... Uh, so I'm going to be repeating myself a bit with Switch. Jeff is a fantastic host. He's energetic. He's talking about... You get to know these contestants as you play. However, for me, the $1,000 if you win playing for 10000 is just sort of meh. If you ask me, it's just sort of this GS and standard in a way that's like, eh. Uh. And for me, I like knowing these five contestants that I would love to kind of if it was me who ran the show have it so they get to play five episodes because this airs monday through friday it's a strip show so you get to know all five contestants throughout the the week monday through friday so there could be all five could play or one player could sweep the games and play five times the bonus round and what i would do is whoever wins the show Uh, they get to just play for the bonus round. There's no $1,000 thing like you usually see because to me personally, I think the $1,000 should just be given to all five contestants for basically an appearance fee for appearing on five episodes of the game show because they're there for basically an entire tape day. So what they would play for is $10,000 and it's a rolling jackpot. Hey, I love it. So for every correct answer that sweeps the board, as in everyone in the house gets a correct answer, so there's five green or four green or a three green in round three, we add thousand dollars to the pot. So ten thousand becomes eleven thousand, becomes twelve thousand, becomes thirteen thousand. So it grows and grows for that day's episode. So whoever's at the end of the game has a chance to win. That money, so hey, we got three of three full houses, so that's 13,000 we're playing for today. And then, if they fail, we add 5,000 to the pot and we carry it over. So now it's 13,000. The next day, it's worth 18,000, and we keep going all the way to Friday. On the Friday show, it's the last chance to win any money, but there is no rolling jackpot at the end of that episode after Friday. It's done. It's gone. And we reset it at 10000 and we play for a new set of five. Which makes the game a little bit more dramatic because maybe nobody won on two days. So Wednesday, it's now worth $20,000. Whoa! And therefore there's more stakes in the game for contestants to really want to play and win the money. Um, additionally, by having it be a rotating of the five, you can cast more energetic players, more... Uh, more opinionated players, because the best part about Switch is Jeff's interaction with the contestants. And we only get to really talk to these players for maybe three times during the game. And it's so weird. It's like, hey, so-and-so, are you a big Mariah Carey fan? Hey, so-and-so, do you cook a lot? And that's that's it. But I would love if we had those five contestants just expand on the show, because then you can have some storyline beats in like a Wednesday or Thursday episode like so and so you were you were just two steps away from winning the jackpot today you can think you can do it today and you can actually expand on the the stakes which makes it a more exciting show plus much like any returning champions these become more householdy names on the show and even though there's a rotating jackpot it, you can actually kind of just play it up Additionally, if you want to play into a cheapo kind of standard format, you can have the five players with five different outfits and just reset it to $10,000 and have it go up $1,000 and do the full house gimmick anyway, so you could win theoretically $22,000 if there's a full house on every question. Uh, so, to me, the Switch is such a fantastic, easy-to-understand trivia show. And I love the music. It's very classic-y. Do-do-do-do-do kind of game show music. And it's very fun to play along with. And a lot of the game shows on GSN, uh, not to be that offensive, are very redundant. You answer the question, you get five points. In round two, the values are double. In round three, questions are now 30 points. So now it's anybody's game. And it it just sort of makes you go, ugh. Like Masterminds does that, and America Says does that, and Common Knowledge does that. But on Switch, that's never the case. It really is just more of hold on to your seat for as long as possible. And then in round three, it's the big race to get to the first place position. Which makes it a very energetic finale. And I like that. Uh, So Switch definitely is... One of my favorite GSN Originals because it's so simplistic to understand. And much like, like Inquisition before it, it has this sort of like easy to sit down, easy to play. And you could easily make an interactive mechanic to it. I, I like Switch that much. But again, I the only negative I have with the show is that $1,000, $10,000 prize budget. And even though $1,000 is dull good good chunk of change and ten thousand dollars is still fine there is possibility to make it stand out a bit more especially when you have five great contestants casted a great host to play along with these players and you're just seeing them like not win constantly it's just sort of a letdown i think it's a great time to talk about the modern split second don't you well, it looks like it's not on the list, so I guess I can talk about it. So the modern-day split-second is basically where it's split-second lined off, where now it's John Michael Higgins as host, and now instead of money, it's points. If one person gets it, it's 100 points. If it's two, it's 50. If all three get their respective ones correct, it's worth 25 and we just keep going here on out. Round one, that's how it goes. Round two, values are double, just like in regular split second. And in round three, the countdown round. So nothing's really changed. Whoever completes their countdown uh, point question mark thing, goes on to the final round where they have a chance to win $10,000 in 60 seconds. They have to get seven right by answering a question and then finishing up between one of two categories. If they pick it and answer it correctly, they get a point, they get all seven, they win. Now the catch is that it's split second, so you're wasting a lot of questions. The thing I like about Split Second is it is a very fast paced game show, especially the early three rounds, but when it comes to that bonus round where it's a choice of two, you're throwing away one question per final round and that just irritates me to no end. Because there's one question that just will never get answered and another that just is, eh. Additionally, Split Second is a very fun game show, but instead of, I don't know, maybe it's just me. You bring in to determine who gets first crack at whatever category they want. What I kind of love is that challengers approach where you pick one, two or three, and that is the one you get to answer. And then if it's a split vote, then you have it on the buzzer to determine who gets it. I kind of like that approach. I don't like that you could ring in at any time and then figure it out. To me, that's just the worst part about the new split second. But the fun part about the new split second is the executive producer is Marcus Lemonis, the prophet. You remember the CNBC uh, reality show The Prophet, Marcus Lemonis, from Camping World? You know, it's about the people. It's about the process, and it's about the product. And, you know... If it comes to this game show, it's fine. And I want to see how he handles Let's Make a Deal. This next game show, however, is uh, nothing to do with Switch or split second, but it's still on the air. This is the crossword puzzle game show you've played all your life, but never quite like this. People Puzzler. This next game show is one of my guilty pleasure shows. Um... I really thought I was not going to like it because it's a crossword-themed game show. And crosswords' as game shows don't necessarily work out. There's Murph Griffin's Crosswords. There's Crosswits. There is Let's Do Crosswords. And almost every variant that Murph Griffin ever tried. But this is more of a pop culture kind of game show. And that is People Puzzler. Now, People Puzzler... I've already reviewed on game shows, I suppose. But hey, this is a special. I don't even know if that episode is airing yet in the public feed, but I've already reviewed it. Um, and essentially, it's on, I think it's third season at this point. So it, basically, there are four categories of pop culture. So it could be things like pro wrestling or rom coms or uh teen books and it's and it's gonna have 10 words associated with the thing so wrestling uh seven letters dwayne johnson's nickname is the rock t-h-e-r-o-c-k you don't have to spell it out you just have to say it you do get the first letter for free and then once you solve it whatever is the letter length is how many points you get so the rock is seven that's 70 points Whoever is in control of the board gets first dibs at answering a question, and they get to pick up to three words per uh, turn. We'll say a turn. Uh, If they ever get one wrong, the turn passes to the next player, and they continue through the crossword puzzle. That is basically the game. There's ten words, and the scoring changes uh, depending on the board. It's ten points per letter. And that's it. Sometimes there is a gamble one where you can gamble your score on a single word, which could make it worth a lot more points. There's also double words, which is two words together making a longer statement, like family ties would be giving you both family and ties. (coughs) Uh, So that is basically how People Puzzler works. It is not really on the buzzer. It is simply put a basic bare bones Crossword Puzzle Take a Turn Show. Like every GSN show, though, it follows the same core mechanics that you have seen in just but every GSN original. In the case in point, a player gets up to three words. If a player can successfully complete three words in their turn, they get a bonus 100 points, much like what you would see in America Says or Common Knowledge, a big point, which will extend it out even more. Once the round is over round two, the points are double with the wager word intact uh next after the wager word and 200 points for three in a row because everything must be double whoever is uh in lowest score is eliminated from the game which means we are down to three we go from three players to two players and then finally we go into the round three head-to-head showdown as we went from four categories to three to now two, whoever's in the league gets the choice of the first of the two remaining crossword puzzles in the game. And they will get 60 seconds to solve all ten words. And it basically is a speed round. For each one that they get, it's 50 points per letter. That's right. It went from 10 points to 20 points to 50 points. It's a fuck you catch-up round and if you complete all of the bun of the words it's a thousand point bonus which means the first two rounds are really useless to say the least now the two puzzles don't necessarily have the same number of points because it's obviously a crossword puzzle but that doesn't matter whoever has the most points after round three gets you guessed it one thousand dollars gsn bare bones minimum and the chance to turn that thousand into ten thousand dollars yeah just i'm getting really tired of saying one thousand and ten thousand (laughs) dollars i get it look GSN, i get it you're you're it's like it's cheap it's budgetary you're going off the game mechanic first over the prize but please something different I mean, Chopped gives away 10000 every episode. Give it, like, a guarantee 5000 or something different. Something different. Give away, like, a points, turn to money. I think that's what Hayahoo hey does. All right. <clears throat> anyway, fast puzzle round. Did you say you have to solve something in 60 seconds to win $10,000? You sure did. Okay, so there's four categories, but this time there's three words each and they're all different categories, and you get to pick three of the four. In this round, you have to solve all nine clues in 60 seconds, so it's kinda like the 10 and 60 in the Head to Head Showdown, but now with three separate puzzles, with three simpler clues, but with time running low. If you complete the puzzles, all three, you win 10,000. By the way, you might notice that the three in something is also similar to Chain Reaction and America Says, where there is this simple, you do the thing and we keep doing the thing and then we keep doing the thing, but there's no like bonus. Like you don't get a bonus 500 for for solving a puzzle. You don't get 500 for solving the first one and another 500 for solving two, making it a 1,000. And then you get the third one, it's 10,000. No, it's a 1,000 flat. To me, I still hate, you have to do three of these in that it, it just to me never makes sense with any of these game shows to have a sort of layer effect just make one big puzzle or make one simple final puzzle or something else have five puzzles and then the last one is the one that's in the finale and you, you, you'll be good on that regard too but fast puzzle is three three word puzzles if they get all of them, it's 10000 If not, they just get the $1,000. runners up though, they're not leaving empty-handed. They receive a consolation prize. It's actually announced on the show. They get a subscription to People Magazine for one year. You know, you get 52 issues a year. Uh, that means that at 7 times 52, I mean, it's $6.99 each, $7.52. Uh, that is roughly, you know... $364 in prize, and you get to get caught up in the world of pop culture. You can find out who is the sexiest man alive once in the year. Isn't that great? But the real star of the show isn't the bullshit scoring system and the crossword puzzle. The star of the show is Leah Romini, uh, famous from King of Queens, uh, famous for the documentary series where she escaped Scientology And one of the judges on So You Think You Can Dance. She is possibly the funniest host that G.S.N. has had. Because much like when Chuck Willie had basically no fucks given anymore in Scrabble. And just started heckling the producers and the writers and everything. It made a more fun show. And People Puzzler is exactly the same way. Leah is essentially does not give a shit and I love that on her because it lets her be herself more which I kind of want more in game show hosts a lot of game show hosts when they're told to be a host they have to follow like the protocol of hey how's it going you know I want to say nice things about everybody wishing you all the best of luck well, I'm a game show host here's a lady who's just like what do you do for a living and it's like I podcast then she will look you in the face and go that's not a career (laughs) That's the kind of thing I like. It's just this person who just doesn't give a shit anymore being this host. And the thing is, though, she is rooting for all the contestants and she does want people to do well in the show. But she's very well aware. Basically, this is a People Magazine crossword puzzle game show on extended cable. No one's really watching. So she can really say whatever the hell she wants. Additionally what I love about People Puzzler besides Leah's ad-libs and banter which is just brilliant is that there is a bit of behind the scenes going on. Sometimes she doesn't she makes a mistake and says the clue out loud or sometimes there is an error in the production where she says a fact out wrong or she says someone's turn is up and it's not. So you hear the director or producer's overhead going that's not it and suddenly they become a character on the show as well. And I really miss that in a lot of game shows, that that peek behind the curtain, as it were, when it comes to a producer or a director. Price is Right used to do that with Bob Barker and Roger Dobb, but obviously things have changed. Nowadays, it's a well-formulated process. You don't get to see the judges on Jeopardy!, You don't really get to see the showrunner on Wheel of Fortune. But in People Puzzler, over in the intercom, you hear, that's not right, no. (laughs) That's a different clue, Leia. And it just becomes this fantastic show where it feels like, at any point, it's going to go off the rails and be this beautiful hot mess of a game show in a way that no other game show can replicate. You can try celebrity game shows to try and have that awkward, yelly moment, but Leah is a perfect host for this kind of show. Additionally, having the producers and hosts banter makes it also just as good. To me, it is the one GSN original show that I would probably do very well at, but I don't want to be a contestant on because of my own insecurities and also because it's still a very cheap looking show. I think that they repurposed the Catch 21 podiums for the People Puzzler set and the only thing is that like when they had the pandemic episodes again it stri- it, it it turns into this very elongated podiums that just a little out of place in a way that I just couldn't get into. Now I will say, however, the weird side effect is that um, the one of the executive producers is Scott St. John. Now, I love this show, and I think Scott St. John is a f- fantastic face of game shows. He did Deal or No Deal for the longest time, Street Smarts, you name it. He was part of the new Card Sharks. And then he went on to do Truth Media. He's part of Trump's new Trump TV, basically. So let me read this uh, article from Bloomberg. This is from October 29th, 2021. So it's a little outdated, but he's still working there. So is it? <clears throat> Trump's new streaming venture to be run by Deal or No Deal producer. <clears throat> Donald Trump's pick to lead what he says will be a new streaming service is a veteran producer of game shows including Deal or No Deal, America's Got Talent, and has worked with some of the former president's biggest lampooners, Alec Baldwin, because of uh, Match Game. uh, Scott St. John will oversee TMTG+, the online video service of Trump Media and Technology Group, which the company says will feature non-woke entertainment programming, news sports documentaries, and podcasts. St. John has previously spoken enthusiastically about making shows that are easily digestible to viewers and giving contestants a chance to improve their lives. The streaming service is one part of the former president's broader effort to create a media company that will disrupt big tech and capitalize on the millions of followers that he had on Twitter and Facebook before being banned in the aftermath of the January 6th insurrection. Huh. <clears throat> TMTG Plus aims to compete with Netflix, Hulu, and Disney Plus, according to a presentation posted on the company's website. Oh, God. I couldn't begin to tell you what experience he has that would lead to the position he's in. Corey Anitano, founder of Buzzer Blog, I thought that was Alex Davis, a game show industry news website set of St. John. It feels very out of nowhere. The website for Trump's company makes no mention of game shows, which typically steer clear politics, though it does include a photo of the former president handing a trophy to a sumo wrestler and headlines about the reign success of his former reality show The Apprentice and the Miss Universe pageant. Still in the world, of game shows, St. John is one of the few producers with any name recognition among fans of the genre, Anatano said. According to his IMDb page, St. John has produced about 30 game shows over two decades. St. John, via his lawyer, did not respond to a request for comment. A press representative for Trump Media and Technology Group didn't respond to an email seeking comment either. <clears throat> in interviews, St. John is often depicted as a casual dresser, sometimes wearing rainbow colored sneakers or a backward baseball cat or flip flops. In a 2002 LA Times article, his office was described as being decorated with 50 plastic baby dolls and a headless mannequin in a hula skirt. St. John said in a 2008 interview with the radio show Man Talk that he grew up in North Palm Beach, Florida, then went to film school at U- University of Southern California. He got his start in Hollywood as a personal assistant. He once told the Trade Publication TV Week that he didn't originally plan to produce game shows. It just one of those things where I didn't really see it as, this is what I'm going to do, but this is what I've done in a 2008 interview. <clears throat> Okay, so one of the first shows he worked on was Dane contest called Studs, where two men go on blind dates with the same three women, then answer questions about their dates. The winners crowned the ultimate stud. In 2010, St. John produced a show on ABC called Downfall, where players answer trivia questions atop of skyscraper. It wasn't, it was a fucking parking garage. If they lose the money, they've won flies off the side of the building. <clears throat> Big hit. One of the biggest hits was Deal or No Deal, which was hosted by comedian Howie Mandel. In a 2008 Rio interview, St. John described persuading Mandel to host a show by meeting him at a local deli and playing a tabletop version of the game. He has attributed the show's success to it being easy to follow, dramatic, and because it has female models holding briefcases of money. Those 26 models don't hurt either, he said in a 2007 interview with the Associated Press. St. John also produced it at ABC's 2016 match game, Revival, the show the first beer in the 1960s, which contestants could win money by matching the other celebrities. The new show is hosted by Baldwin, who also skewered Trump elastoderic impersonations on Saturday Night Live during his presidency. To hire someone who was in charge of an Alec Baldwin vehicle is really funny, Anadano said. All all things, and Corey's not wrong about this. so, I mean, you you go, Corey. Um, St. John's skill as a producer is his consistency, letting contestants be themselves and building tension through pauses and background music, and Adonis said, no, (laughs) okay, never mind. I mean, he, he its 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 brand. He knows branding. He has a specific style. Time, he's good at giving contestants the space to be human in situations that no human should ever be in. The New York Times once described St. John shows like one versus one hundred, where a single player competes in trivia against one hundred other <laughs> contestants, as aspirational reality shows that allow ordinary Joes to go for it and hope of transforming their lives. It's an assessment that St. John seems to share. Game shows offer people the chance to offer the better of their lives in a fun, way, exciting way. He told TV Week. Things don't always turn out as great as you hoped, but at least you're given a chance. I mean, he he did People Puzzler while still doing this shit, and I don't know if that's non woke or whatever, but um, huh? The only thing that's really confusing me is just you get Corey Anatano for a uh, discussion on this. Now, Corey's not wrong because because Scott St. John is a, a devout producer of game shows. But I think the appeal for Scott St. John was he has the ability to brand. He's a brand person when it comes to game shows. Almost every game show he touches, he puts a brand element to it. So match game. Yes, it's Baldwin, but he was aware of what does it mean to be match game? If it's card sharks, what does it mean to be card sharks? What does it mean to be deal or no deal? That it wouldn't surprise me if he has a say in design, protocol, set design, music, stingers, any little elements that are often forgetting in game shows. He has a very keen eye to detail on what he really wants to see in a show. Uh, his big claim to fame on Deal or No Deal was, yes, the 26 models, but he wanted something where they go up the stairs and down because he liked pattern and wanted something similar to the pattern intro. To show this is a very fierce, fantastic kind of modely things. So Corey is right in this, but it's not really that far out of left field because Donald Trump was a banker on Deal or No Deal. So it's not that far off. Additionally, Donald Trump needs a brand person, and if this is going to be an anti-woke streaming service, you get a game show person because you work in game shows. The only thing that's very funny is, of course, what Corey said, he used to work with Alec Baldwin on Match Game. Now, the reason I wanted to bring that up is, one, because Trump jokes are always funny, and he's still culturally relevant because he is technically a candidate who is still in a lot of trouble, and he apparently can pay this guy to do a streaming service, which is kind of sad, no morals. Uh, Additionally, you can pretty much figure out the guy's politics now through all this. And third... Uh, and the reason I want to bring this up is because this is where we're recycling back to People Puzzle, or why am I bringing that up? Because Scott St. John is a brand guy. He knows branding. So if it's a People Magazine-themed puzzle game show, he basically created a game show based off People Magazine that is like a living, breathing crossword puzzle brought to life on the game board, which makes it a lot more fun to watch and interact with because you're seeing photos of celebrities and weird things out there. So there's an art package associated with it that actually fits the motif. Additionally, having Lena be this like off the cuff kind of host doesn't hurt, doesn't hurt either. So ultimately, while we might say that he's gone to weirder things, Scott St. John is still should be kind of celebrated and admired for what he has done to game shows, especially People Puzzler, for making branded awareness for a show. My biggest pet peeve for a lot of these game shows is just that lack of direction or that little bit of zing and zag, that little spice of a show where it makes contestants feel normal. It makes things feel weird, but ultimately you want to root for everybody to win. And I think Scott St. John is still one of the best at that. So I think he's gonna do a shit job at Trump because I don't know how you can make that into a thing other than like we're gonna do uh women in bikinis with machine gun shooting Bud Light, or the uh the political correctness, uh, in, uh trigger warning hour where you're just gonna have people upset about rainbows at Cracker Barrel or something. That it's just gonna be this like minuscule thing. So Unless he is doing like the campaign effort for his 2024 election, I think it's a good time to just sort of back off for a bit and just get back in the game shows while well, you can still say, hey, uh, I, I may work with Trump, who might have said some racist things about black people, gay people, and Jewish people, but hey, you know, I'm happy to be back in the Hollywood industry. Sometimes they should really figure out what I'm saying before the episode and then edit but i don't want to edit i'm what i don't want to edit this i'm lazy i'm a lazy boy uh, unfortunately i'm not sponsored by lazy boy although if i was i'd be gladly using the recliners and chairs This last game show is not on the air anymore for good reason and is one that you're probably going to go, oh, shit, no. And for other good reason, I hope you're ready to just start screaming at each other because this is divided. Originally, I wanted to talk about Hey Yahoo Uh, during this. Let's talk about Game Show Network originals. But here's the truth. Hey Yahoo! is a new game show, and the amount of detail I can give for Hey Yahoo! would be the same, I would say, for a lot of the Game Show Network originals. So, I even though we're probably going to be talking about that sometime in this shows, it's a very cute little Google Feud style game show. Tom Cavanaugh is very funny, and I guess because he's a nerdy guy with glasses, he fits the bill. Did anyone ever see Ed... Uh, I need to go into one that I I think is not really GSN original. I've had it on the list for a while, but there's just something about the show that just makes me feel bad. And that's Divided. Divided started out as a game show in the UK, where the goal is for three complete strangers to answer questions, but the catch being the longer it takes for them to answer, the less money they can win which at the end of the game is divided in an unequal amount. I think like like 10%, 40% and then fifth like 10 30 70 or something like that. Like it's it's a real uneven amount. It's and they have to decide who gets what at the end and make that decision, but of course if they all can't pick which ones they want, which gets A, which one gets B, which one gets C, the money amounts go down and it keeps ticking away until all the money is gone and nobody wins with any money. And that would be kind of the show. And it's very sad because um, this was coming off the offskirts of reality television and let's get drama and screaming matches. And Divided in the UK got viral on the Internet because time and time again, were contestants going, I don't even want any money. I don't even want to be here. I just wanted to just be number one and you guys are just all doing this. And it just, it's a shit show. An absolute mess of a show with the whole premise being, look at these assholes. You don't want to root for any of them. Which leads you to Divided, a game show hosted by Mike Richards. You know Mike Richards from Jeopardy. Does Does Mike Richards listen to his podcast still? <laughs> I once got good authority he did. <laughs> um, anyway, Divided is this game show uh, that on GSN lasted two seasons uh, and was created by John The Bull from Beer Fact from from Beer Factor from Fear Factor Big Brother The Voice. Uh, Essentially, there's three contestants. The first round, there are three questions. Each one has one correct answer. It's worth 5,000, but it goes down uh, as the clock progresses. But two times during the game, there's a takeover where one player can press the button and overtake the entire uh, question and answer it themselves. Uh, In round two... There's three questions, but it's $10,000, but requires two correct answers. The team must select both the answers in the correct order to get the credit. But the contestants secretly vote on which one of them will be eliminated from further play, because it goes from four to three. We changed the show. In order to eliminate a contest, the entry must agree unanimously. If there's no unanimous, then the contestants are given 15 second grace period before the bank starts to drain and they must decide who gets eliminated. In season two, though, instead of in their votes, the votes were wiped clean, allowing everyone to re-vote. Once there is unanimous agreement, the co- chosen contestants eliminated from the game empty-handed. <clears throat> on rare equations where the team is earned no money by elimination vote, the same 15 second grace period applies for three members of the team to agree on who to eliminate. However, since there's no money to lose thereafter, if the team cannot agree on who to eliminate after 15 seconds to the audience gets to vote. Yay, let's get these randos to vote. Third round, two questions. Gotta rank the three in the order to win fifteen thousand. And then the second one were twenty-five thousand. And in final question, one, two, or all three could be correct, but you have to decide. Uh, if they're all correct, and only if they're all correct, you get the money. In Season 2, 15,000 are a question that says two or all three answers being correct, and the team must select all the answers and only the correct answers, and 25,000 is the ranked question. Going into the final round, three unequal shares. A share is 60%, B is 30%, C is 10%. You have 100 seconds to agree on who should receive what share. Once the clock starts, the money begins to drain away. Each contestant must claim a different chair, and the team must lock it in to stop the clock and claim the money. After 50 seconds, no agreement is made. The clock stops, and each contestant's turn is given 10 seconds to explain which chair they feel they need and why. Once each player has played their case, the clock restarts, and the money continues draining. If no agreement is reached, all three players leave the show with no money. According to this, if all questions are answered correctly, the top price is about $50,000. Oh, good. You can still watch episodes of Divided on Game Show Central. Uh. Again, it's it's a it's an interesting game show. I I think it's one of those cases of you see it in the UK and obviously because it is people yelling at each other, that makes for interesting television and definitely something that it screams American game show. However, it just hmm but uh they did and i guess we have to read news reports divided was one of the first gsn originals to include a transgender contestant and that's always a good first and they are they're parading it the only problem is it's at a game show where you're in a screaming match So I'm guessing even though this is supposed to be celebrated and kind and Mike Richards is supposed to be fun-ribbing but not mean-spirited, it just feels awkward. And I will say this, and it's going to be out of context, I feel bad for Mike Richards. Not for Jeopardy! Not for the things he's said and done on that. No, no, no. But when he was hosting Divided, he's trying to be this good like game show hosting like hey you all work together you made $41,000 that's a lot of money and then it just I can't help you and it just goes but the thing I remember was the commercials having like the fake like money going in the shredder because all the screaming matches because you need to cooperate A a format like this never really works in that reason because hear me out here The show is there for screaming. You've already seen the screaming. There's no other thing to do. You will eventually be desensitized from the screaming arguments, which take place every episode. Yes, it's sort of trash TV because it's yelling and screaming, and that's the show, but it's not enough to keep people watching and saying, hey, did you see Divided this week? It, It does bring nothing new. Additionally, It's that whole price-money split-off thing that always sort of is confusing. I mean, sure, we did Prisoner's Dilemma, Friend or Foe. And there's always, like, a way to try and update this for for a future. I have a couple formats with that. But with something like Divided, it just... You feel terrible when nothing happens. It reminds me of The Briefcase. that, That reality show we talked about a long time ago. But, hey... You know, the original Divided uh, in Britain was like an hour, and it was very slow. This version on Game Show Network was actually pretty quick. And even though it's still a screen match boring-ass show, I would still pick the U.S. one over the U.K. one because of the hosting of Mike Richards, because of the way they added that vote-off round to actually make something more interesting. The set dressing kind of makes it look more like an arena, which is more fun fun i guess in a way this is one of the rare opportunities where i can say america is better than the uk at a game show format the problem is it's divided and no one wants to cover divided anymore because mike richards and two it's a very dirty game show to watch because you're just watching people scream and cry and yell over who deserves two thousand two hundred dollars it's that pathetic of a show. Yeah, I don't know whatever happened to that Mike Richards guy, but he's really fallen off social media. Like, he's not on Instagram. I don't see him on Twitter. I don't see him on Facebook. Hey, Mike, if you're listening to his podcast, feel free to email me. Let's, let's chat it up. I uh, hope no one listens to old episodes of my podcast, that's for sure. Oh, God, I have so many episodes of this podcast. I am unhirable, too. I just realized that. Shit! No wonder I can't work in this fucking industry. <laughs> I'm talking so much shit about all these game shows over the last few years that I forgot people might listen and get pissed and not hire me. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, that makes sense. I'm a television critic now, I guess. Boy, that sucks, I wasted my degree on this. You know, I was originally gonna be a game journalist, and then that fucking thing didn't work either. Then you do game shows, and no one fucking knows who the fuck Jordan is. No, no, no. We know who Buzzer Blog is. We know Bothers Bar, Game Show News Net. But not your pal Jordan. And that, to me, is an injustice. Anyway, that's <laughs> about it. I am unhirable and I'm very tired, but that's just how we handle these things here on Game Shows, I suppose. We're almost done with this gauntlet of Game Show Network originals. We'll see you next time. Part 11. God damn it. 11 parts. Yep. Part 11. For more Game Shows, I suppose. Jordan is signing off. Big smooch. Mwah.